Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jake. I write for EPL Index, Total Dutch Football, and various other sites, and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. I write for EPL Index, among other sites, so you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, obviously there is no making the rounds as such, and we're not covering a specific country, as none of our teams are in the European Championships any longer, or at all. Uh, sorry, Jake. Uh, but we will start talking about the quarterfinals a bit. We'll just kind of talk through the stage and, and what some of our favorite moments and the players that impressed were. Uh, Jake, which of these quarterfinal matches really caught your eye the most? It has to be the uh, Wales-Belgium game, I think, um, going into it. You know, everyone thought Wales had a chance, but nobody else expected that sort of dominant performance. I'd, I'd say dominant. They had probably the better chances. They played a lot better. And, I mean, they recovered well after um, Belgium got the early goal, which was just a ridiculous goal. I mean, they couldn't defend against that. It was just a ridiculous hit from Nainggolan. And, um, yeah, if that was England, oh, I, hate, I don't want to make these comparisons. Everyone makes the comparisons to England to Wales. But, yeah, if that was England, we would have just folded. It was just really impressive to see Wales sort of dig in and, as soon as that goal went in, I feel like it relieved a lot of the uh, tension on the Wales players. They sort of just felt like, oh, we might not be here again. We might as well go out and play our game. And they just played ridiculously well. Harold Sinkanu had the game of his life. Um, Ramsey was really good. And I mean, it's it's disappointing that he's going to be missing the semi-final, but that that is the, the rule. So, you know, they have to go forward about him. But yeah, that match was just ridiculously good for so many reasons. And it, it it's just amazing to see Wales in, in their first tournament for God knows how long just beat beat a team that many thought were going to go on to the final from that side of the bracket. I mean, they've got so many good players, Belgium, but they just got outclassed by Wales on the day. And I think that was definitely the uh, the highlight for me. The other games were okay. I think the Germany-Italy uh, game was one for, definitely one for the purists. It wasn't an entertaining spectacle, but there was a lot of sort of tactical moves going on and it was interesting to see how Germany dealt with Italy and I think I think they played really well um to cope with the sort of Italian strategy that nobody else has dealt with. So that was that was a good game, but it was just it just wasn't on the level of Wales. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of these matches uh could have been <laughs> a lot. There were only four. Um really the the one that kind of bummed me out was the Poland Portugal one 
to start the tournament because in the first 10 minutes it looked like it was going to be pretty much the first exciting match for both of them uh, as both had kind of disappointed throughout but had still qualified Portugal I, was it three draws they had in the group stage yeah three draws <laughs> they yeah. got them through uh, this one didn't live up to my expectations Dan what, what was what were your thoughts on this one uh, Poland did that thing where they did against Switzerland where they scored first and then they just kind of sat off. And Lewandowski got, what was it, two minutes in. He scored a good goal and then they had a bit of a flurry after that trying to get a second and then they just seemed to drop off. And then when Portugal scored to equalize, they really dropped off. And after, yeah, it was really after that goal, not even after halftime, but both teams were just like, yeah, we don't want to lose, so we're just not going to really try to win. And then it, it went where those games tend to go just a boring second half the most and most interesting thing in second half of extra time was the guy running onto the pitch which the tv showed us a lot more of than they're supposed to but mm. uh and then it went penalties and penalties went penalties is it was it was really disappointing olin scored i think it was most goals in qualifying and they just have not showed any of that mm. Well, ambition is the corny term for it, but they just haven't. They've just have been too scared to lose, and they just haven't tried to score. They just score early and sit back, and they've been punished both of their last two games. Well, that, that seems uh, perhaps a little harsh because Milik. Who I'll, I'll turn this to you, well, Jake, because you, you've seen him a lot. Yeah, Milik did get a lot of chances, and kind of coming into the tournament, the the smart money wasn't on Lewandowski because clearly teams were just going to try to deal with him which left Milik in a lot of space. He didn't convert a lot of chances. Now he's being mooted with moves. Jake, I know you, you cover the Dutch league a lot. What are your thoughts on Milik's performance in this tournament? Yeah, going into it, I thought Milik would sort of have a great tournament, maybe score three or four goals and cut, come off the back of it with like interest from so many clubs. I mean, he played well. I mean, his movement was good. His, his spatial awareness was good. He was, he was linking up the play well. But his finishing was just so off. It was just, it just got. I just felt so bad for him because watching him in the Dutch league, his finishing isn't isn't like his worst attribute at all. He, he's normally quite a decent finisher. Um, I mean, the Dutch league is completely different to international football, and maybe the the lack of space and sort of the tighter marking and the more experienced defenders sort of had an effect on his game, which which is to be expected. He's still young and he's still developing, but I think he did well, and I, I think there's definitely a player there. I think he he probably needs to leave the Dutch league. I think that that's evident from his performances. He needs to go somewhere where he'll be tested more um, so he can develop his game to sort of deal with being marked out of games and sort of the lack of space and things. But yeah, mm. he, he played well. I, I'm slightly surprised he didn't score more and he probably should have. I mean, he had the chances that he'd normally put away. But I mean, it's it's a big stage for him. He's never really played at that sort of level. So yeah, yeah I, I think they, Poland have got so many good young players going through. I think they're going to be, you know, this is this wasn't their like best shot at a tournament. Mm. by any stretch well don't use the phrase golden generation because we've seen how that's gone for belgium thus far uh no news really yet as to what wilmots will do although we've heard some very scathing comments uh from some of the belgian players thus far uh wh- where do you think belgium go from here uh second wilmots is going to happen i would assume um yeah just get someone who plays fullbacks uh <laughs> Yeah, right? Why don't you have any except for Jordan Lukaku, who unsurprisingly didn't play phenomenally in his first time getting sizable minutes? Yeah, shocker. Uh, Yeah, I mean, 
That's really the, the obvious thing. Sack the manager, bring in a new one who's hopefully better. But then again, international managers tend not to be that great anyway. But Vilmots was really bad this tournament. He was really bad. He just... His, why do you not play Moussa Dembele? Why do you not play Moussa Dembele? For, mm. Or Belgium, after the Italy game, they went to this crazy wide-open style, which worked for them. They've Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, and Romelu Lukaku. It's going to work for you. But that makes you vulnerable to counters. What does Moussa Dembele stop? Counters. He's really good at stopping counterattacks and never loses the ball. And you bring in Nangolan, who... It, it, he's not as good stopping counters and that was their biggest weakness throughout the tournament they got punished against Wales for it yeah I think of Belgium I think I think that they've got the players but I think there's definitely sort of a an attitude problem I mean I don't want to mm. label them as a sort of like the French team of, of past generations where you know they always have that sort of clashes in, in the camp but with, with players like Hazard and Lukaku I mean they they have big egos they're, they're the type that are gonna you know they're not easiest to fit into a system and I, I think their players are sort of make it difficult for them to be successful. Although they're very talented, I just don't think they work as a team. And I, yeah, I agree on Dembele. I, I don't think I don't think Bitzel is as good as he as people say he is. I mean, I, I think that he he sort of doesn't back himself in in the top matches, and that's why he's played in the Russian league so long. So mm. yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not. I I mean, he's he's very good, Bitzel, but I just don't think he's at that level where he should be starting for that Belgium team. Yeah, I, I'd agree. The talent is definitely there, and I still would have loved him at Tottenham, but I, I think he would have been better if he could be molded into a very mobile defensive midfielder instead of kind of this jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none in, in central midfield as opposed to Dembele, who at least he has drive and purpose. You aren't expecting loads of great passing from him, but he's going to beat his man, and he's going to shield the ball, and he's going to really help you keep possession. The fact that, that Fellaini was brought on for Carrasco a winger for a holding midfielder I didn't understand at all. And then the fact that four central midfielders played in that game for Belgium and none of them are Moussa Dembele, I thought that was very strange. And I'm glad that you guys led off with it. So I didn't come across as Tottenham biased TM. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, he's their best, midf- best non-Kevin De Bruyne midfielder. Yeah. So like, he should be playing. Yeah. I mean, Nyingland's also not- very good, but didn't have a great year for... He, he didn't follow... Like two years yeah. ago, his year for Roma was amazing. And this year was like, oh, yeah, okay. But yeah, no, he, he's definitely in, in the top two central midfielders. Uh, so you would have expected to see him there. Also, they were dealing with loads of defensive injuries. Uh, we, we, were, we talked to Scott the other day, and he was saying that uh, a lot of people in Wales thought that they were the favorites coming into this one, which I don't think was a sentiment shared by a lot of the major media organizations. But if you do look at that, I mean, they were light three center backs. Um, which is going to hurt anybody, but uh, I think most the, people are still... The problem surprised. is their fit defensive setup is crazy. Yeah. That's like, their base thing is play four center backs, which isn't really good either. Yeah. <laughs> play Hazard and De Bruyne as wing backs. I'm sure they'll track back. They... Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, next game, Germany versus Italy. Uh, you mentioned a little bit in your open, Jake, that uh, this one may have not been super fun. Uh, for people that were looking for goals, but there were a lot of really interesting tactic shifts throughout this match. Uh, Italy get their goal on a penalty because, what was it, Boateng? Decided, it was Boateng. He yeah. raised his hand like he had a question in class. He just <laughs> decided ball, to start dancing. Yeah, the ball rolled up his entire hand, definitely won. Um, the penalty taker was a bit surprising. Was it Benucci? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was very strange. With I think that I saw him run up that they were supposedly cracking. Down I know. On. I I was sitting with a group of people that don't really watch a whole lot, and they're like, "What do you mean he stopped? He kept moving." I was like, "The spirit of the new rule was broken with that penalty." Um, and and you could see he looked at the the first thing he did once he kicked it was look at the referee. <laughs> then he then he peeled off. To and go then celebrate. he did it again in the penalty shootout. He sure did. <laughs> he was no Zaza, but we'll yeah, get to that in a second. <laughs> The um, funny thing is, I think Zaza's was still the worst penalty, but there's at least a debate between yeah. that, Pella, and Schweinsteiger. Yeah, the, my, my favorite stat that I saw out of this was that Zaza took more steps in his run-up to his penalty than he did on the pitch in regulation time. Yeah. They brought him in four penalties, and that's what they got out of it. But we're but not at you, penalties. Have you yet. seen the um, little gif where it has all the Italian penalties taken all at once? Oh, dear. Oh, that's and it has nice, all yeah. of the penalties taken, the guy's walking away, and Zaza is still doing his run-up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the German one. I didn't see the Italy one. That does sound pretty hilarious. Uh, an interesting takeaway for us as fans of the Premier League is Antonio Conte who put on another defensive masterclass. I know Germany scored, but that that setup has just been so good. Do you think that he'll be able to replicate that kind of success at Chelsea? I think he's going to do well at Chelsea, but I don't think it's going to be immediate success. I mean, it takes a lot to get those sort of tactical ideas across. He had a lot of time with those Italian players throughout the two years, and the, the defensive setup is the same at Juventus as it is for the national team. It's quite easy to drill, whereas he's not going to come in at preseason and just, get Chelsea like that good within three weeks is just not possible so I think over time they're going to become a lot more solid but at the start they're going to have errors I mean you can't expect a manager to come in and just turn them into his side overnight it's like with Pep Guardiola he's not going to turn City into Bayern Munich within five like two or three weeks this is not possible so I think he's going to be successful I think he needs to bring in the right players and he certainly has the drive to do it he's not failed really throughout his career so I'm sure he's going to be a success, but it's going to be a slow burn. And I just hope the media and the fans don't get on his back too quickly because he is a top-class manager. I both think he's going to be successful and I'm interested to see how he does without Buffon, Barzagli, Bonucci, and Chiellini mm. because he's had them throughout his entire Juventus career. Yeah, Barzagli was there the entire time, I think. And um, he's had them through, obviously, the Italian career. Um he, that's how that whole back three, back five, or back three, back five, whatever you want to call it, has been based on those four players. And I think he's a very good coach, but it will be interesting, especially at the start, to see how he does without those guys. Because you know, as it's it's easier to become a very, to have a very good defensive team when you have one of the best goalkeepers ever, if not the best, and then three of a ridiculous trio of center backs, just a ridiculous trio. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how he does without them. Yeah, the, the, he definitely does have the players there, and he does not have them yet at Chelsea. And it sounds like Benucci's not heading there, so they will have to do something uh, to get into that system if they are intending to play it there. On the other side of this one, Germany do go through, continue to not really have awe-inspiring performances. Well, what are you thinking about Germany heading into their match against France? I'm slightly concerned they don't have Hummels, but... I don't know, they haven't been flashy good, but they've they haven't they've yet to concede from open play. They just they've just been t- I mean, I don't want to fall into the cliches like they're Germans, they just take care of business, but they have just been taking care of business continuously getting through with good, if not great performances. Well, good if not great goal scoring performances. They've been great defensively pretty much the entire tournament. They've cre- they've allowed very few chances 
again, granted they haven't played an offensive juggernaut, but there aren't that many of them in the tournament, so who cares? So it's like I'm feeling pretty good about them going in. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with um the almost Boateng partnership being broken up, but I have them as definitely favorites going into the France game, if not heavy favorites. They will be missing uh, Gomez and Kadir uh, yeah, as well. Definitely. And yeah. is Schweinsteiger out as well? Although that could be a blessing in disguise. But... Yeah, I'm not sure about Schweinsteiger, but the, the other yeah. two are. I, if, I they play, it... if they play Weigl, that's probably an improvement on Schweinsteiger. But... Yeah, it probably is. I, I just hope they don't play Gotzer as the false nine. Like, yeah. They don't have any striker, do they? Are they going to try and play Mueller there? Because that's the only striker they have. Ooh, this is, this is interesting. Striker. I actually wanted to touch on Mueller. Obviously, he was a lot of people's pick for golden boot winner at this tournament. Misses his his, his penalties saved, which I actually called at, at the watch party I was at. Just because the confidence isn't there at the moment. Do, do you think it's at the point where maybe Yogi Lo should consider dropping him? No. Now that Gomez is gone, he can't drop him, I don't think. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like, have either way, but yeah, I definitely not have Gomez. Hurt. I mean, I just, just, I'd like to see Sane. Like, Sane hasn't been given a chance yet. I'd yeah. like to see him. That'd be interesting. But, yeah, but he loves I mean, Podolsky, and <laughs> it's... Yeah, that's still hilarious. <laughs> he is so bad. Mm. Um, uh, all right, well, that, that kind of wraps up our, our thoughts on Germany briefly. The last match... And probably the most disappointing for everyone that wasn't French. Uh, France 5, Iceland 2, which is almost a kind scoreline, considering how most of this match went. At least the first half. The, the game did kind of tilt Iceland's way a little bit in the second half. I saw somebody bragging about how Iceland beat France in the second half. It's like, oh, right, but scoreline. <laughs> um, Just let them have it, Kevin. Come sure, on. Sure, sure. That's, that's they only all have 300,000 people or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, well, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about Iceland in any of our segments uh, on countries. So I, th- I think it would only be fair for us to talk about them at this tournament. How, how impressed were you by what Iceland did in Euro 2016? They were very good, like, for, for what they have and, and the, their, like, infrastructure. They, like, surpass themselves and are probably the success story of the um, of the tournament. I mean, Wales have been amazing, but they have the Premier League. They have, you know, a good a good coaching setup. They have the sort of... They sort of do have a history in they the have game. Gareth Bale. Yeah, exactly. They do have Gareth Bale and, and really good players. Whereas Iceland, they've got a lot of sort of also rounds from across Europe. Like there's a lot of them have, have played across Europe for quite a long time. They're, they're good players, but like they're nothing special. But as, as a team, that they're, they're incredibly sort of just effective. Like they know exactly how to play the game. And I think it, th- this game, it was just one game too far. They played the same starting eleven throughout the tournament. They just they just run themselves into the ground and they were just weren't there to, to to challenge France, but that's not to take away from what they did. Um, I mean, if you saw them in qualifying, they, they were very good. They knocked out uh, Holland, as uh, Kev will know. They, 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 um, I was talking about. Exactly. So mm. they should, um, they, they've done very well. And I saw an incredible stat the other day, which just makes me think that they're going to be there for uh, future tournaments because they, they have more UEFA qualified coaches than England do, like in numbers, not just in wow. percentage, which is incredible. So I, I think, I definitely think they've got something good going on there, and I'd, I'd I'd be surprised if they didn't do well in qualifying for the World Cup. And if they got to the World Cup, that would be like as good as this, because the World Cup is just a, just the bigger stage, isn't it? So they were very good. I mean, Sigurdsson played a different role than what we're used to seeing him play, and he was very good in that. Mm. Uh, 
Goodmanson from Cholton played very well. The centre back, the other Sigurdsson was very good. I mean, they, they they all just played very well, and I'd say the only main the main weakness was in goal. But yeah, he, he, was fun he, has, to watch. he has excellent <laughs> biceps, as his tailored <laughs> short sleeve shirt was designed to to show. Um, obviously, they'll be disappointed to go home, but surely this is nothing but a positive, right, Dan? Yeah, like they couldn't have. I, I don't think any Icelandic person, player or coach or anything would have expected them to get this far. Uh, and they were legit good. Like, they weren't just scraping through games. They were legit good. I think they would have... I'd say they outplayed their opponent in three out of their five games throughout the tournament. Like, they outplayed England. They outplayed Austria. And what was the other one? Hungary, it was probably about even, but they had the lead going into, like, the last five minutes. So, uh, it was, they were really good. I'm not ter- entirely shocked that France kind of stomped them, but... I mean, they did phenomenally well for their resources. They did phenomenally well, period. And, yeah, it's nothing but a positive. Yeah, I think the one disappointment of them crashing out of the tournament is that Icelandic commentator Gudmundur Benediktsson, nailed it, um, will no longer be screaming his way through this tournament. And uh, I think we could all only hope that they do make the World Cup so we can hear more of that. that was one but of you the know what the positive is? Club job. You what? <laughs> He got sacked from his club job. Like Did he was he? a manager in the Icelandic league, and he got sacked during the tournament. I think I read. Huh. Aww. <laughs> he, make him the England manager. At least oh, he yeah, show I mean. a little bit of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the positive of Iceland going out is? Mm. Everyone can get their teeth fixed. <laughs> uh, what was the other thing uh, from the England match? Sorry again, Jake. D- didn't uh, like Iceland's department of tourism offer all the england players free whale watching vouchers oh, yeah. if they lost i wonder if a that's actually going to happen and b if any of the players go because if they do they will get absolutely slaughtered I in the see, media. I, that would be like social media suicide yeah yeah which are which companies would run the article with the title england players bail on purpose <laughs> free whale watching trip um, that really sounds like the sun it does. They, they're, they're, they're all does. over the England players at the moment. Like, yeah. I'm sure. And Raheem Sterling's jet, or jewel encrusted sink. <laughs> it just seems like every like, day since England went out, there's been a new scapegoat. It's like Dilly Ali got Chris abused. Smalling? Didn't he? Oh, he was uh, surfing, I think, and he fell and he okay. hurt his face. And then uh, when he was getting sort of taken to hospital, there was someone like shoving a f- uh, shirt in his face to sign, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> fans are always crazy alright well uh, rest in peace Iceland may you uh, rest easy and we all appreciated you in this tournament on the other side the hosts France put on one of the better performances of this tournament it was just so free flowing um, Griezmann has really really shown up a goal and two assists in this one uh, it, heading in like we mentioned Germany haven't really had that signature performance yet how confident are you in France at least getting to the final well, now they've finally got Musa Sissoko in the team. There's no stopping him. So. <laughs> he was the only <laughs> I mean, one of the front there. four that didn't score, though. So He did play very well, though. <laughs> Question, how do you line up for them? How do you guys line up with them for, with Conte back? Oof. Wouldn't it be hard to change this 11 after what just happened? I, I mean, Germany one, are obviously better than One thing I saw Iceland, but... would be interesting is take out Sissoko, put Pogba where he played, and then put Conte in where Pogba played. Hmm. I don't know if it would work, but that I don't sounds, know how That sounds can... very FIFA-y. 
<laughs> it does sound <laughs> maybe not. I mean, I don't know. They they had a central midfielder play. I I don't count Suzuko as a winger. So they had kind. They had a similar kind of player playing out there. I don't know. It could work. I don't know if it will. But you need to keep Griezmann behind the striker. That's the key thing because that yeah. seems to just have worked. Man, he, he looked so so good, and he looked so bad playing out wide. It's like <laughs> the, the comparison or the difference is crazy. Also, I I want to bring this up. This probably matters to no one but me. But is anyone else frustrated that he yells "vamos" when he scores? It's just very strange to me for somebody. Like him, who's Alsatian and from, not the animal, that region. Uh, and so, he's French, the culture's pseudo-Germanic, and he yells in Spanish. Uh, he just seems like no, a very well, Did you see his uh, quote, I yeah, think, that in he, French, he's but I get angry. angry in Spanish? Yeah, but why is he angry after he scores a goal? I, I just, I don't like it. How about that? Come, come That's my hot take. I don't like Be- the Griezmann because yells in Spanish. first eight. What, what was it, like eight or ten years of his life in France? But then you get angry as you get older, so what you learn... <laughs> what are you angry about? So you learn to be angry in there Spanish. No batteries in my toy. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Why are we going to move on from me saying dumb stuff like that? Um, I do think that's an interesting point, what they're going to do uh, tactically with Conte back. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't play him, but playing a German side who is supposed to be this attacking juggernaut, Conte would obviously be a, a huge presence for them in the midfield. That's and, us. and I would say if I'm if I'm keeping Sissoko in, I think I'd drop Matuidi because he had like outside of the ball, he played to, well, he played reasonably well against Iceland, but he hadn't played well up until then. Mm. He played the lobbed ball for the first. Yeah, goal. he played the lobbed ball to Giroud for the first one, but oh oh oh, actually, while we're speaking about Giroud, you are an unabashed Arsenal fan. Uh, on the world class brand. to crap meter, uh, where was he this week? I mean, of a world class, he was like above Messi. I mean, he didn't sky a penalty in a shootout that they didn't have to get into, so clearly better than Messi. Um, he's really good. People uh, just love to go back and forth on him. He's not world class. He's immediately below, but he's not crap. He never was. People think better just... Falling short of the mark. <laughs> they're, they're, they're missing. The it's... problem is that he is good, and everybody vacillates from great to... Shit, pardon yeah. the language. And he's just, the truth is in the middle. Like so many things in football, when you hear these extreme reactions, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And Giroud is good. He is. He's just not as good as people want him to be. And then he has moments where people think that he's lived up to that finally. But it's kind of an unrealistic expectation both ways. And then he just gets his bridges burned all over. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. All right, and that is us wrapping up the quarterfinals. Uh, both of you touched on this a little bit with some players that will be missing the next round. Ramsey, Davis, Homels, and I think Carvalho uh, are going to be missing out because they had two yellow cards in five matches. Obviously, with the tournament expanding, they didn't change the, the corollary rule uh, that would have allowed these players to continue onward. How do you feel about this rule and that it will keep some of these big players out? And if you take umbrage with it, how would you fix it? Yeah, it's a pretty stupid rule, isn't it? I mean... It's really two bad. yellow cards in two yellow cards in five games is, is not like it's a crazy amount to, to to get. Like it's it's probably normal for a lot of players. So it's they've expanded the tournament. They haven't really put a lot of thought into to, to the yellow cards rule, which isn't really surprising from a body like UEFA. They sort of overlook things like that, so it's not really surprising. But it's unfair on Ramsey. It's it's, it's unfair on every player that's missing out. I mean, and it's unfair on the countries as well because they they just have a significantly less chance of going through, especially Wales. They've probably suffered from it the worst, I think. But yeah, they they should probably change it. Maybe I I quite like the idea of having three yellow cards because three and five games is 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 quite is you know it's a bit too much. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably go three and five and. You'd, put, you'd avoid all these suspensions that have coming up now. I mean, it probably would have mean that Kante would have been missing the semi-final because I'm sure he probably would have found it, found a way to get booked against Iceland. But, you know, you, there's, there's always going to be some players that get suspended in a tournament. It's, it's what happens. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go three in five games. Yeah, I would also go th- three in five games is the obvious one. If you don't want to go there, then you can push the... Um push the time when it, it resets further. You can like have it reset after the group stages and, af- and after the quarterfinals if you don't want to go for three and five. There are a lot of different ways you can go. Just don't have it with two and five games because that's completely ridiculous. Yeah, and, and we're going to miss out a little bit on, on what would have been some incredible matches. Although, as Scott mentioned uh, in his last whale segment, the positions in which Ramsey and Davis are missing are actually two of the deepest in this Walsh squad with uh, either Joni S or Andy King being willing to step in in central midfield. Uh, and, and is it Tompkins that can come in? No. No, Somebody it's, else. Collins. it's a different... Collins. Right, right, right. Wrong, wrong West Ham center back. Um, that sometimes plays right back for unknown reasons. Right. Oh, and then Tompkins might be on his way to Palace, which was a thing today. So I'm just all, I'm all backwards. But yeah, the fact that they have ready-made replacements in both of those positions will benefit them. But there's no doubt that those two will be uh, big losses in that one. So I, I definitely agree with you guys there. What would each of you say was the moment of the quarterfinals? I'm not going to take the obvious one because I'm sure somebody else wants to take that. But I think for me, it would probably be... Oh, it's tough. Probably, probably Ronaldo taking the first penalty. It's like it's, it's kind of like a small moment, but it shows maturity and sort of that he's taken advice from someone, or that maybe he's realised that the way he went through penalty shootouts was a bit weird, taking the last penalty where he might never get to take it. So that sort of it was a minor highlight, but it was something that stood out to me. And if anyone saw um, him before the penalty shootout talking to Joe Martino, yeah, I was going to say of, that. Yeah, jeeing him up and sort of like saying, "You have to take one. Look, we if you miss it, then it doesn't matter. But you're one of our best penalty takers, so you should take one." That was that was nice to see. It sort of 
totally different side to Ronaldo, which I think he gets criticised a lot for being very egotistical, which he is. But I mean, there's there's another side to him. He, he's obviously he he does have some sort of he's invested in the team and he, he he does show some sort of leadership in some areas that sort of gets overlooked. So I was quite happy to see that get sort of brought up on social media and things. So. Yeah, I think Ronaldo sort of stepped up. He's still taking the free kicks, but he's sort of making slow progressions into being a better team player, which is which is really good to see. I mean, the obvious one is Simone Zaza's penalty, but the obvious <laughs> good one... The, the, the vertical cha-cha or whatever we're going to... The running man challenge. In the oh, <laughs> that's, that's where it is. That's my best. That was the best. Uh, but the obvious go. good one is Hal Robson Cotto's Cruyff turn in the box and goal past Thibaut Courtois to put Wales 2-1 up and lead them to their first well to their semi-finals in their first ever or tournament in the first ever Euros and first major tournament in 58 years I think but yeah it's that was an awesome goal and not what you expect from no from no club Hal Robson Kanu yeah yeah that that was kind of the obvious one yeah he doesn't score much uh and we were talking a little bit about this before the show that he's he's trying to force a Premier League move. I do not think that that is wise for player or club, uh, but it will be interesting to see. But it was it was a sublime moment to give them the lead there. Um, I don't think anyone expected him to do it either. Like I think if you'd have paused it right there and said, "What do you think he's going to do?" No one would have said <laughs> Cruyff turn, and this is like past Courtois. Like it was so unbelievable. Yeah, like, Cruyff like- turn, burn three defenders. <laughs> By the way. Uh, Toby Alderweireld, the only defender not responsible for that, because what he had had to do was track out wide, because Jordan Lukaku decided to drift inwards for who knows why, and so it was Alderweireld that had to go out and try to close down the cross, but he didn't have enough time. But yeah, j- ditching those three players and then slotting it past Courtois, who, by the way, we are still speaking of in, in a high regard because that's where he's been the past few years, but he has had a pretty shocking last three or four months. Um, but yeah, that was obviously an incredible moment. He he, Cruyff turned um, the right back. What's his name? Uh, Munir so bad yeah. that um, he went to PSG. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do want to touch on this briefly. Earlier, uh, Jake, you compared this Belgian side to the French teams of years past. I've often said it feels like the Netherlands are at this tournament because it's all the big names not yeah. really living up to I, the I like that better than the French one. Yeah, mm. that's a good comparison. Um, and... A thing that a lot of people, and I never understood why nobody really picked up on this or talked about a lot, was after the failure in the 2012 Euros, basically half of the starting 11 of the Dutch national team made club moves. And I think a lot of it, including Van der Vaart and Van Persie, I think a lot of it was that they always expected that they'd win something with their country. And so we're willing to take career moves that weren't just about getting trophies. And then once that window started closing, they made a lot of moves. I'm not saying it's the case with this Belgium side, because this Belgium side is a lot younger than that Dutch side was. But we've already seen it with Batshuayi. We've already seen it with Munir. We might see it with Nijngolan. I just think we might start seeing some of that movement. Might see it with been... Witzel as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Witzel probably on the way uh as well. Yeah, that, that midfield is the one thing that's not quite so young. And Fellaini but. probably not going to be at United, although that isn't probably going to be moving up clubs to try to win titles. Yeah. But I, I just think that that's something to kind of keep an eye on. If Belgium continue to kind of struggle on the international level, don't be surprised if it has ramifications for their club club teams. Because, like I said, I, I think that that was a big thing. Um, Alright, now we will head into talking a little bit 
about the next round. We already have the semifinals coming up. We've already spoken to uh, Scott and Dylan about the Wales and Portugal game, but we'll be interested to get your thoughts. Obviously, the media trying to make this Bale versus Ronaldo, so they asked Bale to get a hot quote, and his response was, it's not Bale versus Ronaldo, it's 11 men versus 11 men. So that kind of killed that hype a little bit. What do you guys expect out of this one? Uh, I feel like I expect penalty or extra time, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see how how Wales replace Ramsey because he's been really, really good, and he's going to be Johnny Esta is talented, but he's not Aaron Ramsey, and it'll be interesting to see how they can fit it. And Portugal do not play a quite so they play the opposite of a wide open system like um, Belgium did because that was really the place where. Wales could make up for the talent gap because the way Belgium played was the best way for Bale to play and the best way for Wales to play in general, where they could just go continuously or take advantage of the fact that Belgium play pretty open and just go at them. Portugal, less so. And it's going to be tougher for Bale to find space and do stuff with uh, not such a wide-open game. Uh, I, I want to pick Wales. I really want to pick Wales. And I really want to pick Bale, but I feel like Portugal is going to eke it out and get to the final. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Dan. I think Portugal are probably going to come through. I think in extra time, I, I don't. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I'm probably going to end in a draw. I think, and, and in extra time, I just think Portugal have that sort of experience. Although they have played extra time twice already, so yeah, but... that could beca- that that could come into it. But I think that they've just got. A str- they're more experienced, stronger, better players, really, and you know, I, I just think they're going to come through. Not, not pretty. Like I don't expect it, them to give like a France-like performance, but I, I think they're going to get get the win somehow. I, I, I think Portugal's sort of been written off a little bit. They, I don't think they've been terrible. They, the they haven't. Been, they've been they, much better than people. Are, I think they've been. Better yeah. Than people well, than I think it's for. because people expect them to score goals. Where they've been impressive is their composure at the back more than anything, it's, except it's against like they, Hungary. That was shambolic. Well, that was even that, even game, that, there were three goals from twenty-five yards, and two of them took major deflections. Like they didn't yeah. actually concede that many good chances. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated that Jack kind of <laughs> Jack Jake stole my point um, with the extra minutes because yes, a lot of people have been pointing out that they have the experience going deep into matches, but the downside of that is that they've been going deep into matches 117 minutes two games ago then a full 120 this last match they're going to be on pretty tired legs and we've been talking about the talent difference between the likes of Ramsey and Joe Niesta but that's two more players in your squad that have fully fresh legs which at this stage of a tournament could be fairly significant um I'm I'm Pe- going Pepe's a doubt as well I think he is yeah, he read, picked yeah. Up a knock. Uh, so yeah I, I'm I'm going to go with Wales they've shown me Nothing uh, that says they couldn't win it. Also, basically the flavor of this tournament has been teams that play like teams are better than teams with individuals. Scott was mentioning that Bale and Ramsey aren't your typical superstars and that they're both putting their bodies on the line constantly. Bale's tracking back all the way to his own penalty area, despite also basically being a pseudo-forward for them. Uh, And I think that that is going to be what sees Wales through uh, and I'm going to say that it's one on a bail free kick and that Ronaldo will have a chance to equalize with a free kick and put it over the bar. What question is he putting it? So he's, you have him putting it into the bar and not into the wall. Cause it's one of the two or over the bar. Over the bar. Over the yeah. Bar. Over the bar. 
Or yeah. the bar, not in the bar. That it could hit the wall and then still go over the bar. Hey. But it ends over the bar. The ultimate Ronaldo. <laughs> He's combining all of those feats. Uh, all right, then the other match is Germany-France. We touched on this one a little bit already. What are you guys expecting? Yeah, I, this one is, is so tight to call. I, I've, brought, I've uh, backed France to win it from the start. They were underwhelming for four of their matches, but against Iceland, I thought they, they played really well. Uh, they sort of, if anything, sort of stumbled on a formation that worked. It wasn't sort of, I, I don't rate Deschamps as a manager. I think it was sort of a, a just, just a, you know, if you play enough formations, you're going to find something decent. And I think that's what's happened. It will be interesting to see how they get Kante back into it because I think he has to play. I think um, he's just so good at retrieving the ball. And against this Germany team, you need somebody like that in there. And I don't think the midfield they played the other day would be great at doing so. So I, I think you need to get Kante back in there. And I think probably for Sissoko, but then I don't know how you're going to change that system around to, to sort of if that, make that up would be what Sissoko the, did. You have to do something weird and possibly FIFA-y because you, you need to keep Griezmann behind the striker for what yeah. he's playing. But you also don't want to... You kind of need Kante because of Matuidi Pogba. Midfield 2 isn't going to really do that well against Germany. But you'd also yeah. prefer to have all three of them in the team. It's, it's weird and it's going to be difficult to manage, but... I that's wouldn't what be overly for. surprised if he dropped Matuidi. I mean... Deschamps yeah, is a massive Sissoko fan, and he he, he does it's like Sissoko, so and he weird. trusts his, he, he trusts him a lot, which is odd. And he's not a bad player; like he, he he's a lot better than what he gives for Newcastle. He is he is a talented player when when he's in the right system and he's you know applying himself. He is a good player, um, and I think he his sort of runs could could cause problems. I think Hector isn't the best defensively. I think. Sissoko with his power and things could cause a lot of problems down that right-hand side. So it, it wouldn't be the worst thing to do, but it's, it's interesting. And I mean, Germany, they've got their own selection problems. They're, they're probably going to bring in Weigel or Schweinsteiger, which hopefully it will be Weigel. But with, with Joachim Love, you never know. He, he does sort of like Schweinsteiger and Podolski and he gives them a lot of minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And the striking, the striking situation is weird as well, because do you play Müller there or do, do you bring in Goethe or do you not play a striker? It's, like uh, he should probably go for Muller. Like Gott has done awful in the false nine. I don't think anybody else in that that uh, team is capable of doing so. And I think Draxler has to start. He sort of has the the skill and things to to cause the French fullbacks problems because they're not the best. You know, they're not the most quick. They're pretty anymore. bad. Yeah, they they, they they're they, pretty bad. They, they're at the wrong end of their careers. They they both they're both past their peak. So I think I think Draxler has to play. So it's definitely an interesting one. Like this could go either way. I think. I think France are just hitting gear at the right time, though. I just think they're, as, as the tournament progresses, they keep getting better and better. And I, I just think they're going to do it. They, they just don't lose games in tournaments that they host. So I, I think they're going to do it. It's, it could go all the way to extra time. But then if it goes to penalties, Germany don't lose. So it's, yeah, I, I think the France will win it in extra time. Maybe Payet scoring just to confirm the golden ball or whatever it is for the best player. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Buffon dove the right way all but two times in that penalty shootout, which is is just insane. I, I really thought Italy were going to uh, do Whereas it, but... in the, what was it, Portugal-Poland won, the keepers dove the wrong way the first eight times, I think it was. <laughs> and then the ninth time they got it, it was either the first seven or first eight times, they all dove the wrong way. So really where we're landing on this is that Gigi Buffon is better than Rui Patrizio and Lucas Fabianski. This just in. <laughs> uh, but no, I agree. Germany are, are very good. And penalties, I, I just, with the, with the issues 
that Germany's going to have at the back. I, I, I favor France. Having actually seen them, yes, they've had their struggles, but we've seen real glimpses of this France team as dominant as they can be, which I still don't feel like we've really seen from Germany. We've seen it for like 15 to 20-minute spurts in matches, but we haven't really see a, seen a beginning-to-end performance from them, so I'm, I'm going to tip France. I, I think they can win it. Although, I, as everybody's saying, I think it is going to be close, but I just don't think you can't keep hiding Mueller, which is a shocking thing to say considering his caliber. But he just has not showed up at this tournament. Um, and as you guys have said, it will be interesting to see how France deal with uh, their personnel and get <laughs> maybe 12 players on the pitch. Uh, unlikely. One so. So, one so frustrating thing about France is if they had younger or fullbacks with legs, they have such a good diamond in there. But you just can't play a diamond with Ever and Sanya as your fullbacks yeah. so they just can't run them enough. But um, going off that, I've I've also picked France to win it from the beginning, and I want France to win it. But Germany's also like Germany, and I'm not sure. And France has turned it on. I'd say in the second half against Ireland and the entire game against Iceland, but those are also both pretty bad teams. Yeah. Considering like going up, comparing them to Germany, like those are teams you expect to beat pretty handily. Right. Whereas Germany, I don't know if that setup's going to work. Yeah. Hey, here's an interesting question. Uh, kind of like Iceland were already written off before the England match. I've already seen some people saying that regardless of what happens, the winner of Germany-France wins this tournament. Do you think it's that cut and dry? No. No, you can't no. say that. In a one-off game, anything can happen. <laughs> like, and To get to the final of a tournament, it doesn't matter who you play. You, you have to be a good team. Because all these teams are good. They all have their individual qualities. They, they've all got to the tournament for a reason. So, I mean, Portugal and Wales are both very, very good teams. Portugal haven't lost in 90 minutes. Like They haven't lost at all, to be honest. Like they, they're in there because they're just so hard to beat, and they've got star quality up front. And Wales are just an incredible team. So either of them would have a great chance against France or Germany. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Portugal can muck up any game with their and um, Pavernaldo, and Wales have proved that they're just good. They're just good. They're good, and they have a player like Gareth Bale who can make, who can win a game for them on not quite on his own because he hasn't been doing that all tournament. It's the entire team's been playing well. But they also have Gareth Bale to deliver if you really need a moment of ridiculousness. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, wraps up this show. Why don't you guys tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, you can um, follow me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends, where I'll tweet about any sort of articles I do, or go and follow Total Dutch Football on Twitter. I would totally recommend that. I'm sort of uh, looking after their Twitter feed at the moment, so I'll be tweeting a lot about what's going on in Holland and regarding Dutch players, and there's quite a few good things come that we've got planned like the um total dutch football 50 which we uh, did last year which is sort of like the best 50 players coming through in the era division under the age of 22 i think so that's coming out in the next month or so so that's definitely one to check out if you want to know about the future dutch talents and yeah i'm still dan you can still get me on twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits thanks for having me on yep and i'm obviously your host kevin devries you can get me on twitter at kevroff I also uh, made an appearance on uh, Total Football, which was uh, the radio show Steve Gennaro and Dave Hendrick are putting on uh, at the moment, so try to check that out. It's on my Twitter feed. Uh, not too much going on, just loads of fantasy rankings, which I still haven't decided if I'm publishing or if they're just for me heading into the season, um, but we'll, we'll keep you on tap with that. And uh, I will be heading to the Crystal Palace uh, versus FC Cincinnati match. So if you're interested in either of those things, kind of keep an eye on those going forward. And then the second week of July, we will begin 
our 2016-2017 Premier League coverage, which is crazy. The first show we're going to do is going to be with a representative from Hull, Burnley, and Middlesbrough talking about their journeys up to the Premier League, and then we'll kind of continue on in earnest from there. So we hope you uh, keep it locked here at EPL Roundtable on Twitter. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.